Let me tell you here this morning, if you want salvation, you can have it. But if you get it, it'll come through Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. He's the name above all names. He's our blessed Redeemer, our Lord and our Savior. What a blessing that we might call him our friend. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn to the book of Acts and chapter number 9. So we continue going through the book of Acts. As you're turning there this morning, I want you to, to consider this question as we read this passage today. Can a man do the work that Jesus did while he was here on the earth? Can a man do the work that Jesus did while he was here on the earth? I'd like for you to consider that as we stand together this morning and read the scriptures together. If you would stand with me, please, if you're able. How blessed we are to have the Word of God in our hands today. Dear friends, even better if we have it in our hearts. We're going to begin this morning in verse number 32. If you found your place, say amen. amen. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints, uh, to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber." For as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come to them. And then Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and he kneeled down. And he prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. Father God, we thank you again for this precious uh, book that you've given us for your holy word. Uh, Lord, and, and let us not ever take for granted that we hold the very word of God's in our hands. Lord, I pray that that truth uh, would drive us, uh, Lord, to open your word uh, daily. And Father, that we might search the scriptures. And Lord, we pray this morning as we open this uh, word that you would open our hearts, you'd open our eyes, Father. And you might feed us from the scriptures. We ask it all in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen, amen and amen. You can be seated, folks. So here in Acts chapter number 9, we've already met this man, 
name Saul. He's not mes- uh, mentioned here in this chapter, but we've been reading a lot about Saul. Uh, and I want you to know that the majority of the rest of the book of Acts, as a matter of fact, uh, you might say the majority of the rest of the New Testament has a lot to do with this man named Saul, who in just a, a chapter or two will, uh, will be named Paul, uh, the great writer of the New Testament. But the scripture turns here for just a moment uh, through the rest of chapter 9, all the way through, I believe it's chapter 12, the scripture turns back to Peter. And his ministry uh, there. And uh, the Bible says here in verse number 32 uh, that it came to pass that as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And, and this town, Lydda, sometimes it's referred to in the Bible as the city Lod. Lydda and Lod, they're the same place. Uh, it's in northern uh, Judea there between Joppa and Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is to the, the southeast and Joppa is up on the, Meridian, the, the Mediterranean uh, sea coast, a little farther north and to the uh, west of, of Lydda. And the reason that he went there, the Bible says that there were saints that were dwelling there at that place. Now, you've got to remember that because of the persecution that had come about in Jerusalem, that the saints had began to disperse, and they'd gone to Judea and Samaria and different places, and where the saints of God went, the gospel of Christ went with them. Amen? And so the church was growing, uh, the gospel was going forth, and uh, I think it doesn't specifically say that in this particular scripture, but I believe that Peter was curious about what was going on. He was probably hearing that people uh, were being saved. And so the Bible says that he went to where these saints were. And uh, uh, when he got there, the Bible says in verse 33, that he found a certain man named Aeneas. Now, we don't know a lot about this man. There's just a couple of verses that we have here in Scripture. But what we do know about Aeneas, first of all, I believe he was probably one of these saints. Uh, Peter was going to this place to see the saints, and when he got there to see the saints, he met this man named Aeneas. And not only uh, do I believe this man was likely a saint, but we know for a fact that he was sick because the Bible says that he had palsy. Uh, In other words, he was paralyzed. And not only does it tell us that he was paralyzed, but it tells us how long he had taken up his bed or he had kept his bed. In other words, he had basically stayed in some type of a bed for the last eight years. This man had been in quite a condition. Now, we see in verse 34, we see Peter's command because Peter comes down and he said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed. Jesus, uh, uh, Peter comes along and he tells this man, uh, Aeneas, that Jesus Christ can make you whole. Now that's interesting to me because like I said, I, I already believe that this man was likely already a saint and I believe what Peter is trying to, to, to make this man understand, this was more about encouragement than it was evangelism. He was somebody that, that likely already knew Jesus and, and, and uh, Peter is pointing out to him that this Jesus that you, that you know, I want you to know that he has the power to make you whole. And in other words, Jesus is the one that's working in your lives, but sometimes we have to be the ones walking. 
Uh, this man, I believe, had the power available to him, but he did not have the power applied. And I believe that is the condition that a lot of believers find themselves in today, that they've heard of the Lord Jesus Christ, they've heard the gospel, uh, maybe they've, they've received the truth of the gospel, they've, they've decided to, uh, to trust in Christ and, and to believe in Him, and the power is available there to them, but to many people it's not applied, it's not been appropriated in their lives. And the Lord sent Peter along uh, to wake this man up and to let him know that he needed to get up and walk. And, and you know what? Oftentimes as believers, we have people that come to us and they're needing uh, something. They're having a hard time. They're, uh, they're in the midst of a difficult situation. Maybe they're dealing with a, a physical ailment or, or, or some type of a, an emotional or sometimes even a spiritual battle. And sometimes they, they, they need a, a, a hug. I, I heard of a prayer meeting, a pastor that I know in North Carolina, he said they were in prayer meeting one night and, and they said they had a lady that had not been coming to the church that long and and uh, she told him after service one night she said I, I don't really feel comfortable praying in church and he said well why don't you feel comfortable she goes well I just I hear some people pray and it just sounds so wonderful and I don't know that I can pray uh, words like that and let me encourage everybody here this doesn't have a thing to do with my message but apparently the Holy Spirit once it said and that's this if you're not coming to the prayer meeting because you don't pray like somebody else that's a terrible reason you know what the Lord wants he doesn't want uh, well written and versed and thought out. He wants you to pray from the heart. My Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is a friend and that's the way we ought to talk to him. You don't have to come here and, and, and make sure that there are 17 these and 29 thou's in your prayer. And, and it, you just need to come and pray. That's the biggest thing. We need people to pray. Amen. If God's going to move in this church and he's going to move in this community, it's going to be because the people of God prayed and, and asked him to move in a mighty way. But anyway, this pastor friend of mine, he encouraged this lady. He said, well, I'd like to encourage you to come. You just pray whatever God's put on your heart. So the next prayer meeting, she came, and he said she started praying, and she said, Lord, she said, some of these people need a hug, and the, the rest of them need a swift kick. And that, that, was the, that was the just to her prayer. And you know what? It, it was few words, but how true it was. And sometimes, even in our Christian walk, sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we're going through a difficult thing, and we're struggling. We need to know that somebody cares about us, and somebody loves us, and that somebody will come along and give us a hug and, and, and tell you that they love you and, that, and remind you also that the Lord loves you, and we're here for you. We want to help you. And sometimes we need a good kick in the, in the pants. We need to be told to get up and walk. Amen? And uh, I believe that that's what uh, uh, Peter was doing here for this man named Aeneas. And uh, so this man, the Bible says that he, uh, Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. And let's not pass that up and recognize that it is Jesus Christ that makes us whole in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Let's not, uh, Peter didn't take any glory for this. We'll not give Peter any glory for this either. The glory belongs to the Lord. He is the one that makes this man whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. In verse 35, all that dwelt at Lydda and Sarone saw him and turned to the Lord. So of all those that, that were dwelling there in this place called Lydda and also Sarone, which is also the place you see sometimes in Scripture called Sharon, uh, all the people saw what was was happening and some of them were saved amen praise the lord because of the testimony of this man uh, that, that many believed in the Lord. But this would not be Peter's only mission on this journey as we read on in verse number 36. The Bible says that now there was at Joppa 
a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, uh, which she did. Now, Joppa, I already told you, was a city that was on the, uh, uh, it was a port city, really, that was on the Mediterranean coast there, uh, north and west of Jerusalem. And uh, the Bible says that at Joppa, there was a certain disciple there named Tabitha. Now, that's an interesting statement because the word that's used for disciple, it's the word mathetria. It's the only time in the New Testament that we see this. It's the word for disciple, by the way. The root word is. This is the only time in the New Testament that we see this word used in the feminine sense. This lady was a disciple. She was a student, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible specifically calls her out uh, as a believer. And as a matter of fact, it gives her two names. It says that her name is Tabitha, which, by the way, is her Hebrew name. But also, by interpretation, her name is is Dorcas, which is her Greek name. And I'll give you a little inside uh, to our family, we when our when our kids were young, sometimes we would if we if we thought they were being a dork, we would call them Tabitha, and they knew because of the interpretation of the scripture that if we called them Tabitha, we thought that they were being a dork because Tabitha, uh, by interpretation, is Dorcas. Uh, but anyway, this lady was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was a Jewish believer with a Greek name. And what the Bible quickly points out, first of all, is her deeds. We know that she is saved. She's a believer. She's a follower. She's a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that. Uh, we know also uh, her service. It tells us there at the end of verse 36 that this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. We know that, that uh, we're his workmanship created in good works, which he before ordained that we should do them, right? Ephesians 2.10. Uh, so we see her salvation. We see her service. And we also, skipping ahead to verse 39, we see a little bit of her skill uh, because at the end of verse 39, it says that the widows that stood by him weeping were showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So not only had she been called to salvation, she'd been called to service, and before she was ever called to service, the Lord had given her a skill that she could use to edify his people and his church. And dear friend, can I tell you that the Lord has given every single one of us gifts that we can use for him. If we are born again, if we are his children, if we are truly disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ the way this lady was, he has already given us the skills that we need to serve him after we're saved. A lot of times we get that mixed up. There's a lot of people that aren't serving because they don't think they have skills. But friend, you're not understanding the scriptures because the Bible teaches that we're given skills before we're ever called to service. And I'm just as guilty as the rest of you. The last thing I thought when I got saved is that the Lord had already given me a gift to preach and that I was going to preach one day. I did, he hadn't called me yet. I knew nothing about it. But I'm telling you from the word of God that that's what the Bible says. Amen? And so whatever uh, skills it is that the Lord has given you, um, you ought to be using them to serve his kingdom. This woman... Uh, we not only see her deeds, but we also see her death there. In verse 37, it said that it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her 
in an upper chamber. What, what days are we talking about? It says in those days. Well, I believe it's the days that Peter was passing by. While he was in the area, uh, he was nearby. This lady uh, had died, and it, the Bible says that they washed her, and they laid her there in an upper chamber. And dear friends, that's when we see Peter's call. Verse 38, For as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, it was near to Joppa, uh, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. Why is that? Word had gotten out what had happened there with Aeneas. Peter had came and commanded this man to get up and, and to walk. And so they heard that he was there, and they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come unto them. So we know that the Bible says that, that they were nigh. Uh, they were, Lydda and Joppa were nigh unto one another. I think I read somewhere that they were about 13 miles from one another to go from Joppa to Lydda. So they were near. But not only was Lydda nigh to Joppa, but I want you to know that the Lord was nigh to Tabitha. He knew her circumstance. He knew what has happened. And as a matter of fact, he already had Peter on the way. Uh, before this happened. And, and dear friend, I don't know what circumstance you're in today, but I can tell you this, Jesus will be there before you get there. And he'll have people there to help you. Uh, I, I imagine Brother Jimmy could tell you a couple things about that right now. There's a hospital in Marion right now trying to figure out what happened to that man. It's not what happened, it's who happened to him. We, we, we know what the Lord has done and uh, has been merciful to our, to our brother. But the Lord was near to Tabitha, through Peter, and I, I don't want you to miss this, that the opportunity that Peter had to be the hands and feet of Christ came through his obedience. Opportunity came through obedience. People came to him. The, the Lord had already, first of all, called him to go to Lydda, and so he went to Lydda. The only answer when the Lord calls is, yes, Lord, right? Not, let me think about it, not, we'll stew on it. No, yes, Lord. Obedience brings opportunity. When the disciples called Peter and said, we've got this disciple here that's, that's died, we need you desperately, Peter was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he went. Opportunity came through obedience. And if you're looking for opportunity to serve the Lord and to see him work in and through your life to the, the family and friends and other folks, your coworkers that are in your life, you need to begin by being obedient. When he gives you, uh, when he calls you, when he gives you opportunity, you need to be obedient, and obedience will lead to more opportunity. Amen? Uh, when we're good stewards of what he's given us, and the Bible teaches that he gives us more. And I believe that is the same in opportunity. But word got out, uh, by the way, that, that Peter was there, and they desired that Peter would come unto them. And I would say, adding to what we've been talking about in recent weeks about the birthmarks of believers, that this is another birthmark when people desire your presence. When other people desire your presence, why did they desire Peter's pre presence? Because Peter's presence brought the Lord's presence. Amen? Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of the Lord, and they knew that he was walking with God, and that because he was walking with God, that the Lord was working in and through his life. And they had a desire uh, to have Peter to come and be in their presence and I want to ask you, dear friend, do people desire your presence because of your godliness? Do they desire you to be, when, when people, do, do people call you when they're having a difficult time? 
uh, when, when, you know, when, when tragedy strikes, when uh, illness comes, when difficult situations, when they need advice, when they need, when they need to hear a word from the Lord, do people call you because of your godliness? Do they desire your presence because your presence brings his presence? That's what was happening there with Peter. And not only was Peter called uh, by the folks that were there, but he was also called to be there by the Lord. Verse 39, we've seen Tabitha's deeds and her death, and now we're going to see her deliverance here. Verse 39, it says that Peter arose, and he went with them. There's his obedience. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and he kneeled down, and he prayed, turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. Uh, Peter, led by the Holy Spirit, went there. The power of God was dwelling in him. And as I told you before, we're not going to give Peter any glory for this because it was the Lord that did this through Peter. But a couple things I do want you to, to catch on, first of all, is after this dead person was resurrected uh, she also needed to be reinforced Peter reached down after she sat up and he gave her his hand and he pulled her up we read uh, something very similar to this on Sunday night when we were talking uh, we were reading the account of Lazarus and we were talking about how the Lord is the one who resurrected Lazarus but the Lord invited uh, people to be involved in his work because first of all the Lord uh, he asked somebody to roll the stone away and then after, that was before, he asked people to be involved before Lazarus was resurrected. But then after Lazarus was, Lazarus was resurrected, he asked somebody to remove the grave cloths from him. And so we have involvement, the Lord chooses to involve us in his work before people are resurrected or before they're saved. But he also calls for us to be involved afterwards, Amen. People need discipled, they need encouraged, they need to be loved on, they need to be helped. And Peter was there to lend this lady a hand. I also thought it noteworthy to see that the widows were there. Do you remember the widows going all the way back to Acts chapter 6? That's how we ended up with deacons. You remember that? The Greeks came to, to Peter and the other disciples and they were upset that their widows had been being re uh, neglected and uh, Peter said look out among you uh, men that are full of the Holy Ghost and and uh, it's not fit for us to leave uh, to serve tables you know, to leave they're going to give themselves to ministry and to the reading of the Word of God well here we see the widows involved they're uh, they're there uh, standing and weeping and and I have to imagine that many of this people are are uh, of a Greek nature. Maybe they're Hellenistic Jews because Tabitha herself is a Jewish believer. She has a Hebrew name, but she also has a Greek name. And so she must have been a Hellenistic Jew that was a, a believer in Christ. And so these widows are, are among those that are there weeping and showing the coats and the garments which she made. And then they're also among those there that when Peter, after he had uh, gave her his hand and lifted her up, he called the saints and the widows and presented her there alive. Going back to verse 31 in this same chapter, which we didn't read today, but after 
Saul, remember he was let down in the basket and then he goes back to Tarsus. We think it's probably in that window during those few scriptures that uh, Saul spent his three years receiving revelation from Christ. The Bible says in verse 31, uh, because Saul was now converted, Saul was the one who had been persecuting the church before his conversion. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost and were multiplied. The church was able to function the way it was supposed to function. And the widows that had been neglected, now we see them involved uh, here in what's going on. And I don't think that's by any accident. But after this woman was raised from the dead, Peter presents her. No doubt this lady had died. I mean, my goodness, they had washed her body, prepared it for burial, laid it in the upper chamber. She, there was no doubt that she had died. But friends, there was no doubt that she'd been delivered also. Amen. Uh, the power of God had come upon her, and uh, all the people that were there saw it. And as a matter of fact, verses 42 and 43 says that it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Aeneas' deliverance was known in, in Lydda, and Tabitha's uh Deliverance was known there in Joppa, and because of that, the Bible says that many believed in the Lord. Can I ask you this question also this morning? Is your deliverance well known? Is your deliverance well known in Morrow County? If, if, if we were to meet folks that you work with, if, if we were to run into somebody at the grocery store tomorrow that maybe is your neighbor, or if, or if we, you know, a family member, whatever the case is, if, if we were to sit down with somebody and say, you know, that, that person goes to our church. We really love that person. Can you describe that person to us? Would one of the first things that come to their mind be the fact of your deliverance? Has there been that stark of a change in you because you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus? And are you so uh, in love with the Lord Jesus that you're willing to share him with everybody, that, that your deliverance is not a secret? I'll tell you, none of us are called to be secret service Christians. Uh, we're, we're called to be bold ambassadors for Christ. Amen? Is your deliverance well known? Because when your deliverance is well known, people begin to catch what you have. And many believed because of the, sto the, uh, the presence of God and the lives of these people there. And afterwards, verse 33, it came to pass that as he, that he, meaning Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. We'll hear more about that in the next passage as we go on. But I believe that Peter stuck around for a while. There were many new believers there. I'm sure he was preaching and teaching and, and counseling uh, with those there in Joppa. When I read this passage... It was strikingly similar to me to some other passages that we have in the Bible. And I'm referring to an account that you can read in three of the four Gospels. I believe it's Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8. Uh, there's a young lady, a 12-year-old little girl that has died. And her father is a man by the name of Jairus. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go there and read all of that today, but just uh, a few recounting things. By the way, uh, in our Sunday evening Bible studies, we've been going through the miracles of Jesus, and it was 
I guess maybe I can't say it wasn't that long ago because we've been studying on the miracles. Our Lord did a lot of work while he's here, it turns out. And we've been reading about his miracles for some time. But we read this here a little while back about Jairus, Jairus and his daughter. But in the account uh, that's given in those three Gospels, we understand that Jairus has an awareness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He would have been in charge of the services and the, some of the things that were going on there in the synagogue. And we know uh, from the Gospels that many times the teaching that Jesus did was in the synagogues. And so no doubt he had heard and, and seen Jesus there in those places. Uh, and, and I believe that he began to have faith in the Lord Jesus. And the reason I believe that is because of his attitude. When he comes to the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that he falls before him and cries out to him, Lord, my, my daughter is going to die. In two of the three Gospels, it says that Jairus says that she's going to die. One of them says that she might already be dead. And so this man was desperate. And uh, he had faith in Jesus, and he fell there before the Lord Jesus. And then we see uh, not only his awareness, his attitude, but also his appeal, because he appeals to the Lord Jesus to come. Will you please come and lay hands on my daughter that she might live? And just like Peter, the Lord Jesus, obviously he, he was obedient to his father's own will. He begins to head towards Jairus' house right away. Takes him a minute to get there, because... When you're Jesus, everybody needs help, amen? And he runs into a woman that had an issue of blood, 12 years, and, and uh, he healed her there on the way. But even though Jesus was already on the way, death came to this young lady and this family anyway. But we look at Jesus' willingness. He had a willingness to go. He was called upon. His presence was requested. He had a willingness to go and to help this young lady at the cries of her family. In that passage, we also see Jesus' witnesses. You might remember when he got there, there was a whole group of people, just like here, there was a whole group of people that were weeping and wailing and crying for this uh, young lady. And as a matter of fact, Jesus says that, that, she's, that she's not dead, that she's uh, that she sleepeth. And he wasn't saying that she hadn't died. What he was saying was that she wasn't going to remain that way. Because in one of the Gospels, it actually says that her spirit returned to her. Well, your spirit can't return unless it's left. Amen? She was definitely dead. Jesus was just pointing out that she wasn't going to remain that way. And when he said that, there were many people around. The Bible says, I think in every account, that they laughed him to scorn. Why? Because they were not believers. They didn't believe in the power and the presence of Jesus. And so how did Jesus respond to that? He put them away. He put everybody else out of the room. The only people that were in the room were the maid's parents and then his inner three, the three disciples, James and John and a man by the name of Peter was there that day. And Jesus knelt down and he said, Talitha kumi, I think is how you pronounce the phrase. It's an Aramaic phrase that just means maid arise. And she rose up, and the Bible says that Jesus reached down and he gave her his hand, and he raised her up. Does that sound similar to you? That's almost word for word the way it happened here in the book of Acts. Jesus' willingness, we see his witnesses, those believers that were there. We see others that are weeping and wailing, and, and then we see his work as Jesus reaches down in sympathy, and he gives her his hand, he speaks to her, he says, arise, and then she needs to be strengthened. He tells the parents to give her something to eat because she needs to be strengthened. All similar things to what happened 
here in Acts with Peter. Why do I share this today? Well, we've been looking at Peter's command that he gave to Aeneas, and we looked at Peter's call uh, as he was called there to be in their presence when this young lady, or when, not young lady, when Tabitha had died. But I want you to understand this morning Peter's conformation. Make sure that you understand what I'm saying. I did not say confirmation, not I-O. Confirmation is something that happens in false heresies. Conformation, the act of being conformed, is something that happens to a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son. We are being conformed to the image of Christ. And oftentimes I liken it this way. The Bible talks about transformation. Romans chapter 12, be ye transformed uh, by the renewing of your minds. Transformation happens from uh, the inside out. That's what the, the Greek word for transformation is, is uh, metamorpho, which is the same word we use for metamorphosis. It's a picture of a caterpillar that goes in a chrysalis and they change from the inside out and when they're finished, they're more beautiful than when they began. Amen? We're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the way, how are you renewed by your mind? By the Holy Spirit of God and by the Word of God. It's happening right now. We're being transformed. But being conformed That happens from the outside in. Uh, You might say that as a potter puts his hands on a lump of clay and he begins to do what? He begins to shape it. He uses water and he uses his hands and depending on the pressure that he applies and the way and where and the timing and all those things, he can make that vessel look the way he wants it to look through conformation, through the act of conforming. And what I want you to understand is that Peter, along with all of us, are being conformed to the image of his son. The Lord is putting his hands on us and on our lives. And the goal is that when he is finished with us, we are going to look like Jesus. That's a good place for an amen. I don't know about you. Sometimes I don't feel like I look very much like Jesus. But bless God, I pray that I look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. Amen? Peter was being conformed. The the three years that Jesus spent here on the earth working and walking with his disciples, Peter, like all the other disciples, was being conformed to the image of his son. It was God's plan all along that Peter would have what Jesus had, that Peter would look like Jesus looks, and that Peter would do what Jesus does. Amen? That was the goal, uh, the purpose of all of this conforming that was going on. I might say it this way like father, like son. Amen? Like father, like son. We are supposed to be like our father, and we know that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father are one. Jesus would tell the disciples in John 14, beginning at verse 10, he said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and that the Father in me? People say Jesus never claimed to be God. They need to read this passage. Uh, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Ultimately, all the works that we do, they come all the way from the Father. Amen? He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Very verily I say unto you, 
He that believeth on me, the works that I do uh, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father, <coughs> pardon me, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The works that I do shall he do also. Can a man do the works that Jesus Christ did on the earth? Yes, he can. The works that I do, he shall do also. And, and not only that, but greater works than these. Why did Jesus say that we would do? Is Jesus saying that his disciples would be greater than him? Not at all. But he, he clarifies for us, because I go to my Father. In other words, you're going to have more time to do works as the Holy Spirit works in you and through you. There's going to be more time and more opportunity uh, for you than there is for me because I go back to my Father. And so now we go back to Peter and realize that Peter's being conformed to the image of the Son his, his entire time that he spent with Jesus. And here Peter is. Now Jesus has ascended back to the Father and Peter is left here to work uh, uh, for the Lord. And there he is in Jerusalem going all the way back to Acts chapter 3. And I believe that Peter remembered Jesus and the man at the pool. I remember Jesus and the man at the pool, Bethesda, and what did Jesus do? Uh, he spoke to him, and the man arose. You remember Peter there uh, in, in, in uh, Jerusalem, there in Acts chapter 3, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus. Uh, here's Peter in Lydda. And I believe that he remembered Jesus and uh, the paralytic man that was let down by his four friends there in the bed. And what did Jesus do to that man? Uh, rise up and take your bed. And what did Peter tell Aeneas? Rise up and walk and take your bed. What did Jesus do? That is exactly what Peter did. And now Peter's here in Joppa. And here is this lady that has died. And I think Peter thought back to Jairus and his daughter. There's no mistake that Jesus had Peter in that room that day. He wanted him to be there. He wanted him to experience. He wanted him to see. He wanted him to understand the power of God. And I believe Peter just started thinking, what would Jesus do right now? And so Peter, he fell down. And, 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 and I already explained many of the similarities, but Tabitha's the people that, 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 that she uh, is around, her family, and, and those that are weeping and mourning, they apparently have an awareness um, of, of the power of God because they called for Peter and asked him to come. And we see Peter's willingness to go. We see, by the way, we see Peter's witnesses. Who was in the room when Peter raised Tabitha? Can anybody tell me? Look at your Bibles. Who was in the room with Peter when he raised Tabitha? No, actually, that was with Jesus back when they raised Jairus' daughter. I'm talking about who was in the room with Peter when he raised this lady in the book of Acts. The Bible says that Peter put them all forth. He put them out. Remember how Jesus put people out of the room, and it was just his inner three there and, and the parents. Peter puts everybody out of the room. So who's in the room with Peter? Tabitha. Who else is with him? Jesus. Jesus was still in the room. Amen? Maybe his body wasn't there, but I'm telling you that Jesus was in the room because he was living inside the heart of Peter. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was there. And, and just like before, when he told Aeneas, uh, the Lord Jesus wants you to walk, but rest assured that it'll be Jesus that does the work. Amen? Let me just give you a little bit of encouragement today 
not to be concerned about doing the work. You don't have to do the work. Just walk. Amen? Just walk and let the, door, the Lord do the work. Sometimes we hold back from things because we have no idea how we're going to do it. And that's a good place to start because you're not going to do it anyway. Amen? If anything's going to happen that, that will last for eternity and give glory to God and edify his kingdom, it'll be because he does it, but he chooses to do it through his people who he is conforming through his image. Amen? And so Peter, uh, he was there, and uh, Jesus wanted Peter to see, and he wanted Peter to do the things that he did. Can a man do the work that Jesus did while on the earth? Yes, he can, and greater than these. Is it really the man that does the work, though? No. No. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. There's a lot of Christians are struggling today because they're trying to do things without Jesus. Because a lot of people are struggling today because they're trying to go on in the power of their own flesh. That doesn't necessarily mean that only lost people try to do things in the flesh. My desire for all of you, as Paul would say, is that you would be saved. The Lord has brought you here. And it's his desire that you would be saved also. And let me add this, dear friend, it ought to be your desire that you would be saved. You ought to desire to, have, to be born again, to be a new creation in Christ, to have a relationship with the God of heaven. It's his desire that we would be saved. But even once we're saved, if we're not careful, we can get caught up trying to go on in the power of our own flesh. And that happens when distance comes between us and the Lord. We miss a service, it's easier to miss the next one. You miss two or three of them, it's easy to miss a week. Before you know, weeks become months, months become years. We start to skip out on our daily devotion time, it's easier to happen tomorrow. We don't set aside time to pray. Before we know it, we think back and thought, my goodness, I haven't hardly prayed in a week. And effectively, although maybe we haven't chosen consciously to make this decision, effectively what we're doing when we neglect being with the Lord, being in our Bibles, being in prayer, being in church, when we neglect all those things, what our heart is saying is, Lord, I can do it without you. I can do it in my flesh. I don't need any help. Now, I know that you're looking at me right now and you're thinking, I would never think that. Not on purpose. But that's what happens. We need Jesus, folks. Every minute and every hour. We need him for every moment. We need him for every decision. We need him for, for every care. We need him for every, every service, for anything that he's asked us to do. We need Jesus, period. And we need to be conformed to the image of his son. And I want you to know that all of these things happened, first of all, that others may have grace. And also that God may have glory. Amen. And I can assure you today that God will have the glory, period. It's amazing to me, though, to think that a wonderful, powerful, powerful, 
omniscient, omnipotent God would choose to allow us to be involved in his work. That ought to be one of the most humbling thoughts that has ever entered into your mind. To think that the God of heaven has chosen us to be involved with his work. Do you want to be involved? Do you want to see the power of God manifested in your life? Not because of your works. Be clear on what I'm saying. We can't do anything without him. Nothing without him, but with him, everything is possible. Everything is possible. What do your works, dear friends, say about who you are? Jesus said, He that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Do do your works identify you as a child of Christ, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does your deliverance identify you as as a follower, as a child of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, in this passage, we see both sides, by the way. We see those that are a part of the raising, those that are have a call and, and uh, have a command and, and also are being conformed. We see Peter's side. Now, Peter wasn't the only one in this passage. We see Tabitha too. We see those that need to be raised. I don't know which side of these that you fall on today. Maybe you're here today and you're already a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. To that I say amen. And if that's the case in truth, Uh, then, dear friends, you need to be involved in the raising of other people. We've got people everywhere all around us that need Jesus Christ. And the Lord has put you in the place that you're in so that you can share Jesus Christ with them. And not only so that you can share, but so that they can see him living inside of you. But if you've never called upon the name of the Lord in truth, You don't need to be trying to help raise anybody. Dead people can't raise dead people. You need to be raised yourself. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, if you've never repented and turned from your sin and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, you need to be raised. And here's the good news. Because disciples of Christ are here today, Jesus is here too. Amen? The Holy Spirit is here. That grace and mercy that we talked about during the service today, it's available to you right now. You don't have to live another moment uh, without Jesus. If you want mercy, you can have it today. If you'll call upon his name and truly repent of your sin, turn away from it and turn to Jesus. Amen? I don't know where you sit today, but I know that the Lord loves you. And his mercy is available. Can I just ask you to bow your heads today?